Hello, you are listening to All the War They Want. Joining Jeff Engel and I today is Mr. Doug Kim. Hello. Doug is a twenty. Hello. <laughs> Doug is a twenty-four year military veteran and is now the senior vice president of cyber risk at Conquest Cyber. So this episode is on doing things with people you like. Doug, yeah. you should feel so special. I do. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I yeah. didn't choose you. Jeff did. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, feel, I feel the love <laughs> a couple of times. I feel the love. Yeah. Um. So how did you two meet? Yeah. Uh, you want to take it? No, it's all yours. Okay. So when do we meet, Jeff? Like 2005, 2006 time frame, right? We're, yeah. We're in the same uh, squadron, actually, in the same organization, same unit in North Carolina. And Jeff was our weapons of mass destruction expert. And from time to time, I would seek his counsel on uh, all things WMD for uh, operations and once in a while, we would roll on the mat, I remember. And uh, Is that jujitsu? Jujitsu, yeah, yeah, no. Yes. Just Sorry, this is... Yeah, this is PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> we would spoon. <laughs> um, no, so we would, you know, uh, we would work together and obviously train together. And, um, you know, maybe it's a little bit hindsight 2020, but I remember, you know, when, when, whenever I talked to you, you were a man of few words. But I could tell when whenever I talked to you that your 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 brain was going a million miles an hour and there was something going on. But again, you know, knowing now, right, we know him right. as a deep thinker. And so maybe that's a little hindsight in twenty twenty, but yeah. And a, and a man of way too many words. No, no. I was gonna say man a few words back then and still today yeah. because uh, words of wisdom uh, come out of your orifice there. Um, <laughs> gotta love that. <laughs> no, but but in all all honesty and, and uh, sincerity too, could be prouder of the guy. So, you know, 14 years, we had a little gap between seeing each other, you know, since what, 2008, nine timeframe. Yeah. And then reconnecting and seeing what you've been doing could be prouder. You know, you've How had like you? three lifetimes. That's <laughs> what I keep saying. Right. Yeah. I mean, you continue to, to serve outside of the unit you know, DITRA and then even beyond that, you know, emergency management and, and really kind of becoming a, a guru and ninja there. And then becoming a black belt in jujitsu and like, would you win the Olympics or something? Or yeah. Right. Then I wasn't, I wasn't brown enough. They yeah, don't what let was him, that, the, the white pan, guys in the Olympics. Pan American. Uh, yeah. American national championships I won. And then uh, Naga Pan American championships. Yeah. Just those small little things like that. Yeah. You know? No big deal. And then becoming a CEO of this company and have this idea of uh, really changing cybersecurity. You yeah. know, couldn't be prouder of the guy. So And what I remember yeah. what I remember of Doug is on a little island in the middle of a river and some palm groves. Well, <laughs> little birds were spraying this car and this metal shrapnel was raining on us. Yeah, and sitting next to him in the talk is I yeah, I sat right next to Doug in in Baghdad for a, uh, one of our one of our tours, and I remember I was working on something and I didn't I didn't sleep for probably like three days, and then I I passed out. Then um, I think everybody realized that I hadn't slept for three days, so nobody came and found me. And like I woke up, I didn't know what day it, or what year it was, mm-hmm. uh, but that experience of like collapsing on my keyboard. I think I have probably four or five memories of, of that, you know, through, through my time, uh, when, when we weren't actively out doing operations. I would have kept you from hitting your head against that keyboard <laughs> if I was awake as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember <laughs> had the same thing happened with uh, with Pat. Maybe we, uh, yeah, we were out west, and I was running ops, and just I never left my spot unless we were out on a mission. I was sitting, yeah, you know, yeah. It'd be like daytime back in the states, and you know the nighttime there, and I'd just be like, pass out on my keyboard. And, and, and you guys are supposed to be protecting our country. This makes me feel very safe. Well, well, yeah. somebody's always, somebody's <laughs> always watching. Yeah, yeah. You got to sleep too. So 14-year gap, how did you guys reconnect? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was kind of off the cuff, right? Through yeah. The power of social media. Yeah, it was like one, of those, one of those things that we got to the point in the development of the business that, you know, we, were, we really wanted to, to harness the, you know, the elite culture, what I, you know, had experienced when Doug and I, you know, worked together. And I realized that I was a little bit of a, like a mythical creature to the people in the company. Like, you know, it was, it wasn't something that you know, the way I present things, the way I communicate and think through things that they thought it was like, beyond their grasp. So what I, I realized I needed is I needed more, more people that had experienced some of the things that I experienced to, to help normalize and proliferate that view throughout the organization. So I literally posted that I'd, any you know high level special operator right now that's that's looking contact me yeah and it just happened to align with the yeah with Doug and I was I was laying in bed I recently had back surgery you know and Doug's over in London and you know we yeah reconnected and found a way to make it work yeah. and it's been incredible for the organization to have you know. To, to have scale to that that experience and that view to apply that unconventional approach to things, and now you know, thankfully we we have more you know special operators that you know have made the transition and joined the company, and it's you know it reinforces everything that we're doing, gives it scale, and it I think it helps people who don't necessarily have that background but have the the acumen for unconventional approaches, like be able to put those things together in a way that is actionable. Um, in, in ways that I really couldn't do because I'm, you know, a little bit too towards the visionary side of, of the operation. Uh, we needed more operationally minded people that could tactically, you know, drag people through the process, right. you know, of applying those unconventional approaches to, you know, really challenging problems. So in the theme of this episode is doing things with people that you like, mm -hmm. Doug Kim. Um, what is the quote that he always says? You'd rather shovel shit with people that you like than than what do, do anything really with, cool with, yeah, uh, with people, people that, that you don't. Yeah, people yeah, that I, don't align. I think I said I think I said people I like, but also people I trust. Yeah, you know, if I didn't say that, that's what I meant to say too. I yeah. think that's important. Is you know, I mean, I think we talk about it quite often. You know, I think we've all experienced somewhere in our lives where we've been on some sort of team, whether it's a sports team or it's an organization, military or a company or something where you've been on some sort of elite team. Right. But what made that team elite necessarily wasn't necessarily always my my experience having the biggest, fastest, strongest, most experienced, most talented folks all together in one room. And therefore, you automatically have an elite team. What, what really allowed them a team to be elite in their actions was this layer of trust mm -hmm. that ran throughout. So, you know, to that point about, you know, an either or, obviously you want both, right? I want to do things that are meaningful, right? You don't want to shovel shit? 
I, sometimes, I don't mind. Hey, I don't mind. Hey, sometimes we all have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, we all want to do something meaningful, right? In our lives and in our work with our families and stuff like that. And, and obviously you want to do it with people that you like and trust, right? But if I had to choose one over the other, I would, I would do it with people I like and trust because often, not only because that's, you know, not comfortable or fun or something like that, but, but often if you like and trust them, it, you know, there's something culturally aligned there and it allows you to do something meaningful with your work too. And what I mean by that is when you have that trust, right? Um, it, it empowers a certain amount of, it usually comes from something, right? Some sort of experience, some sort of, what I call a crucible type experience, right? Where you're really tested. Yeah. Um, where your character kind of comes out, right? Like something tough, you know, in the military, it's easier because you, ha- you were given those opportunities. You're not just given, you're forced upon those opportunities, right? In many different ways. And, and it allows you to, to go through that crucible together to really test the metal of one's character of other, yeah. you know, your team. So, you know, this person have grit, they're going to quit. Right. And even if, even if, you know, and it's, it's grit, it doesn't mean that you always made it to the top of the hill. And I use this example all the time, a muddy, you know, obstacle course and, you know, person that just quits, you know, they quit. They're not even trying anymore. You know, you're going to help even the person that doesn't make it all the way up, you're going to help them up. Right. If they keep trying. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain amount of respect that comes out of that. You know, those crucible experiences where like that grit, not quitting, you know, meaning what you say, doing what you say, um, doing things that you know is right as opposed to things that are popular, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, being a true friend, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, when you have that sort of experience, um, that to me, it gives you two things. It gives you this freedom, but it also gives you this accountability. And I know those two things just seem to be opposite to one another, but, you know, kind of explain that as well. You know, when you don't have those things, right, you know, then you question whether someone else is doing their part. Right. Right. So, you know, I was, matter of fact, just talking to someone yesterday, um, have a conversation with a, with an interview, with a, with a candidate and, uh, he brought up a term I hadn't heard, I haven't thought about in a while, which was speed of trust book, right? And if you remember General Crystal, a lot of leadership would talk about speed of trust, right? There's this speed that you get because you trust one another. I, we may not be on a call. We may not have time to have a call with one another, catch up, but you know that you can make a decision yeah. to keep moving and knowing that keep it, you know, keep things moving. So you have that, it gives you that speed of trust, right? Right. We give that speed that comes from trust, right? But it also gives you that freedom to that leeway, if you will, because you know that, okay, if it's the wrong way, then we come back and we can now pivot back and get, get on the right track and go together and you know, know that we're going to do the right thing as opposed to just start finger pointing and go, oh, you made a bad decision. That's, that's screwed up. Right, which you you, you, you basically did that's you know what I mean? Yeah, it's no trust there, right? So, having that freedom, but also the accountability because it isn't like this freedom just to I can make a whole bunch of mistakes, it's this accountability that comes into place too, where you know it's that opposite end of knowing that I'm accountable to those that 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 bond of trust that I have with this person, right? Mean that you value that more. 
So it means that, you know, you have a sense of accountability, not to just to get things done, just to get things done, but you want to do something beyond because you, you want to admit you value that relationship right. so much that you will put in that extra effort. You will fall asleep at that keyboard and at, at you know, six in the morning, you know, having been gone all, all, all night doing things. Right. Um, so that kind of leads trust. leads yeah. into my next question. So you're an SVP now, mm-hmm. Conquest Hyper. Um, when you're looking to build out your team, mm-hmm. what are you looking for? Yeah, great question. So it goes back to that first portion. I, I tell people that come on the team and generally people that I work with that I only ask two things, right? It's just transparency and integrity is one. And the other one is proclivity for action. But the, the first one kind of goes to what we've been talking about with trust. It's, you know, this transparency and integrity means, in essence, you know, mean what you say, say what you mean, and then do what you said you're going to do, mm-hmm. right? And that all goes back to that trust, right? Like, again, what we talked about, what, what a lead team is. And, uh, you know, if though that, those very simple axioms of meaning what you say, doing what you say, and then saying what you mean, I mean, those are very simple, but often. But very impactful. Yeah. yeah. And hard to find. I'm right. sure you can speak on to that, Jeff, too, trying to yeah. build out. Yeah, it's it's hard to to find people who align what they say and what they'll do when things actually start to get difficult. And it is easier to to give up, make excuses. You know, and that's kind of normalized that it's as long as it's not your fault, it's okay. And that is kind of the antithesis of an elite culture and that the trust that's needed to be able to have that flexibility to be able to move faster. I remember um, when I was, you know, in the uh, in a training course, I was, you know, there most everybody else there were special operators. Like I was. I was in special operations, but at that point I was, you know, in the process of becoming a special operator and we, we did this building climbing, you know, um, and it's a marathon and it got to a point where my, I had no strength left in my arms. There were, I had no grip strength. I could not pull up and we had to climb this five, the outside of this five story building. And it got to a point where I, like, there was no way I was going to do it. And I was, you know, I was one the second largest guy in this class. So there was no way I was getting up, and we had to get up. Like, we had to get on top of this building. So uh, the, one of the instructors quickly showed us. There's this, basically this tubular nylon, which is like a little green strap. And we had, you know, these hooks on our belts. You know, you can hook into a helicopter or whatever. So essentially, he's like, here's how it works. This goes through there. Those straps go up. Guys on top of the roof, they pull. You run up. So my arms didn't work. I completely, it was a complete muscle failure. And I subsequently did something, you know, I'm scared of heights, but I ran up a five-story building. And then when you get to the top, you're now going from basically looking at the sky to now achieving, um, you know, a normal walking posture again, which really requires you to run up the building and then jump. <laughs> Sounds simple. Yeah. Incredibly simple. And <laughs> the fact that we had to do that it's was easier than climbing it. So it is, yeah. it is, it is easier than climbing it, um, for, for me, but for the guys that were had to literally pull me up so I could run up the building 
uh, was was not it was not a great position for me to be in. There's a lot I, of trust. Well, <laughs> it's, at that point, I would have rather fallen off the building and died than be the guy that could not climb the building at that point. True. So mm. the cultural accountability elements of that was I was never going to let that happen again. So I never let that happen again. Every day I was, you know, like back in airborne school, you know, pull-ups in, pull-ups out, you know, constantly training that to make sure that I was never the one that everybody else had to carry. Mm-hmm. And if I wouldn't have done that and been like, hey, we've got a technique that we can use, all it does is make other people work a little bit harder, then there wouldn't be trust in that relationship with me. Um, and ultimately, that's all we relied on. So I took that to heart and made sure that I'd never got in that situation again. And I've seen that same thing embodied by the kinds of people that I want to work with, that I want to, you know, that I like and trust. And like for me isn't what it is for most people. Do I want to sit down, drink a scotch and smoke a cigar with them? Uh, I'll do that too. But there are a lot of people that I would, you know, smoke a cigar, hang out with, you know, shoot the shit for lack of a better term that I would not go into really tough scenarios with because I, I don't trust them. I may like them, but I don't trust them. Um, and if I trust you, I like you. There's, yeah, there is, there is, it's impossible for me to, to have the feelings of trust with somebody and not, you know, like and admire that person because they've demonstrated that, you know, capacity to embody the cultural accountability and the alignment between what they say and what they do when things really start to get hard. Right. Yeah. That's a good one. I was thinking about that too, the trust and respect. The two aren't necessarily compatible or, you know, uh, how would you say you can't just reverse those two because you you trust someone you're going to respect them right, right? Yeah. you can respect someone but not but trust not them, trust them. You know? so to that point you can like someone as well right but right. not necessarily trust them so that's why i say you know that whole shovel shit thing yeah. like, <laughs> i meant to say trust in there as well so yeah 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 um which I'm, by the way you know him running up the side of the building were you the guy pulling I, no i probably i was probably on the bottom going can I take the elevator, please? Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah. You see, at, at that point, he had not become a black belt in, is it Rex Kwando? <laughs> or Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like that Napoleon Dynamite reference? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So. Oh, Doug, that was good. Um, okay. So formative years, obviously, in a very special, um, unique situation. You met Jeff, connected a few years later. Is that what made you join Conquest, or did it have to do with the cybersecurity aspect? Yes, first. All of them. Yeah. So yes, and then yeah, and then yeah. yes. So first, yes, because Jeff, right? Yeah. Because um, yeah, it's trust. You know, mm-hmm. hadn't seen Jeff in like I said, 14, 13, 14 years, but we had that shared experience. You know, it, you know, fair or unfair. You know, I mean, there's certain things that we in the you know, military that have this, you know, other uh, service-oriented organizations where you were doing things not for the money, obviously. Um, you're doing it because you believe in something, particularly in organizations, organization we were in. Um, there's a certain amount of, of course, there's a selection process that you go through too, but frankly, it's the experience that you go through because even in the selection process, you know, even even a sieve lets through crap sometimes, right? So, um, look at itself. And so, um, the, the but 
it's when you have that shared experience and you've developed that trust, you know, there's a certain, yeah, it goes back to that trust and bond that, that's already there. So, uh, and then, you know, again, going back to catching back up with them over the phone, you know, we literally, I saw them on, you know, LinkedIn, we got back in touch with one another. We, we just met to shoot the breeze. And he started telling me about everything he's doing. I'm like, geez, I've been on my butt for the last 14 years. <laughs> and then, you know, when that opportunity started talking about, you know, the opportunity or anything, I was like, man, they hadn't really thought about it really. Um, but, you know, so you've got a unique opportunity. There's not many of us in a sense, right? I mean, um, and so it's because of that natural trust and bond that was already there that, you know, you're willing to, to take that step. But then secondarily, and but just as importantly, is what we're doing in cybersecurity, right? I mean, I think about, um, <clears throat> you think about a time in service, you know, there's a, you, know, you can look yourself in the mirror and go, I'm doing something for the nation, I'm doing something for my family, right? And then you go out into the commercial sector and, you know, here's an opportunity where we really are doing something per our mission statement, right? right. Ensure cyber resiliency to this sector is critical to our way of life, right? And really believing in that, right? And Jeff embodies that, like, you know, mm -hmm. we have conversations where to be very clear where you could go a different route, you know, like saying, well, I'm we're just gonna do this, we're gonna make this really awesome and then we're gonna sell it and we're all gonna be, we're gonna get Lambos, right? Yeah. No, this is about, doing something opposite than, than that. It's doing something holistic that this that the cybersecurity ecosystem really needs. Like right. what not just cybersecurity, but you know, companies, the defense industrial base, the critical infrastructure of our of our nation really needs, right? And that doesn't necessarily play well when you you really just you just need to sell this and you'll be good, right? Um, but having that belief and, and you know that embodies that whole idea of really doing it for the, for the sectors that are critical to our way of life. It allows you to continue to serve, right? So. Yeah, that's the, uh, for me, that's the, the integrity piece of what we say. Yeah, the alignment between what we say and what we do really comes down to the decisions that we make that are, that are hard, right? It's a lot of, there's, to, to your point, there's a lot of opportunities to make a lot of money doing something that's far less impactful and a lot easier. Yeah. yeah, but we we choose the hard path because that's what we say we do as an organization. And no matter what anybody does or says, as long as we're true to that, you know, we can we have the integrity, and other people will be drawn, you know, to what to what we're doing. So that's really that's critical to me. You know, that there's uh, there are a lot of other things that I I could be doing that you could be doing. Um, that really anybody who chooses to to join us in this could be, and we are here to continue that that mission, yeah, you know, the service, hundred yeah. percent, yeah. So I can I can always look at myself in the mirror and be proud about what we're doing and 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 who we're doing it for, mm -hmm. rather than you know ever waking up and feeling like a used car salesman, yeah, yeah. and who we're doing it with too, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah, again, you know, like. We were talking to someone yesterday about this uh, interviewee that, you know, I told him, like, that, you know, we're, we're, we're building a small kind of a team within the organization um, 
that uh, you know I'm heading up. And you know this is this is about the long haul. This is about having you got to have you know the experience. And if I had to choose between experience and getting stuff done, I'm going to choose for people that just get stuff done. I do want both, but um, you also got to be in this because you got you believe. Yeah. If you're not aligned with that idea of that mission statement, it's very very clear. And we talked about you know it was a couple of weeks ago, right? In terms of that mission tells you safe tells you what. Sure, cyber resiliency it tells you where. Sector's critical or way of life, but it implies the why. If you don't believe in that why, if you're not 100% in that why, if your why is really about in order to make a gajillion dollars, that's the wrong why. You know, if, there, if your why is because you really believe that we're under attack and that we're not prepared and we, we need to do everything we can to prepare our critical infrastructure for what is coming or what is already, you know, here, then we're aligned, right? And you're willing to put in the work, you know, so then, then we're aligned, right? Yeah. You know, talked about promises of what, what can you offer? You know, I'm sure the, the, the answer to that question that most people are looking for, well, I can offer you this, you know, promotion. I can offer you this, the you know, amount of money or what. We what I'm offering you, you is I'm offering you a purpose. I'm offering you a lot of hard work. I'm offering you, you know, some ambiguity. <laughs> and some, you know, wicked problems in a sense that, you know, they're not really wicked, but, you know, they're harder problems yeah. that I can offer you that. Yeah. Yen, you know, so <laughs> that's the people we're looking for. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Doug, thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I had Jeff, to be here. as always, my sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you guys for joining us and listening in to the episode. Tune in for the next one. Cheers, everyone. Thanks, Carmen.